Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to uh, week two of uh, HCBC's uh, virtual online service. Uh, great to have you with us, even though I can't see you. I trust that you're joining us. And I'm here with Ralph. Hey, Ralph. Yeah, good morning, and it is great uh, to be here with everybody. Uh, there's lots of things that are happening in the life of our church right now, even though we're not getting together. Yeah. Uh, I know that on Friday night, uh, Pastor Ray and Donna had invited the church to join them in, in a time of prayer at 8 p.m., and there was a lot of people that joined, which is a great thing, something we can do wherever we are. Uh, the scriptures say where two or three are gathered, that's that the church is there. Jesus is with us wherever we are, and, and we know that we're gathered in very small communities, but we can still find ways of bringing everybody together with technology, and this is terrific. Yeah, uh, we can be very grateful for that. Um, and uh, as you may have seen an email come by, um, the denomination, uh, the fellowship, has asked all of its churches, of which we are a part, uh, to join in a national, international actually, uh, day of fasting and prayer uh, today on Sunday, March uh, 29th. And, um, and so we invite you to, to join in that as a church, uh, to take time, uh, skip a meal or two or three, and uh, make it a point to, uh, to really seek the Lord uh, during this time for yourself, for your family, for our church, for our nation, for the Christian church trying to respond to all of this in a way that honors God. Yeah, in fact, uh, in the email we sent around, uh, we invited you to take a look at an article, which we, we've printed out for ourselves this morning, 20 prayers to pray during this pandemic. Yeah. And it's a great guideline of giving just for very particular things, specific things that you can pray for. And, and we want to pray through some of those things this morning. Uh, and as well, we know that lots of you, we've heard from lots of different people, and, and there's stresses that many of us are experiencing today. Uh, we know that there are some that have had job losses, could be temporary, could be permanent. Uh, we know that we've seen companies having to shut down. They were not essential services. And uh, if you let us know, uh, we'll find ways to communicate that out, for, that out for prayer. You can inform the prayer uh, chain as well, or the prayer letter, uh, so that that can be distributed and as well. So we just invite more sharing. The church office, uh, phone number is still working. It's been forwarded to uh, the cell phone so that our church uh, office administrator, Heather, can receive those calls and she can get the information distributed to the right people in the church. And so we just encourage more communication. And the more we know about how things are going, the better we can live out our community together. Yeah, it's not ideal, but we can do so much with a bit of effort and we need to stay connected. We need to uh, not uh, become isolated uh, because we're, we're vulnerable to that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and we do need to remember to keep our distance and to follow all the small things. Phil and I are keeping our two meter distance here. Uh, and it's only us in the church building today. Yeah. But uh, yes, everybody, we really, really follow the instructions our government is giving. Uh, for some of you, it may seem absurd, um, but there are many vulnerable and we need to do our part in, in participating in society. And uh, Phil is just going to be sharing a few things. Maybe you could share again, just, just some of the yeah. thoughts behind that. Yeah, well, there, there have been some who have, who have said, um, who have asked the question, uh, sh should the church really stop meeting? Uh, shouldn't we obey God rather than man? And while that is true, um, we should obey God rather than man. And we need to think through this a little bit more carefully. And we have, uh, we have help from, from Christian history. 
because this is not the first time the church has been in the midst of a society-wide plague or epidemic. And so we can look back to other examples and people who had to think through these questions carefully. And I think it's important to make a distinction between um, obeying the authorities, which we are commanded to do in Romans 13. We're commanded to be obedient to our leaders, even if they are not Christians. And in fact, almost always they are not. Mm. Um, there's, there's, so there's a distinction between when they ask the church or they force the church to stop meeting because we are a church or because we are preaching Christ. Um, in that case, we would gladly disobey our leaders and our allegiances to Christ first. Um, but when the, the request comes from our leaders to stop meeting, not because we're a Christian church, but because every group is being asked to stop meeting for the good of society, to protect the vulnerable, to protect those who could be uh, you know, severely harmed or even killed by this. So um, in, when that's the case, and this is our scenario, we gladly comply uh, because we love our neighbors and we want to be a good witness. And uh, we believe that's what the scripture teaches us to do. That's well said. Yeah. So I hope that's helpful. And uh, so at this time, uh, I would just invite you to join us now. We're going to pray uh, through some of the items uh, in this article, 20 prayers to pray during this pandemic. And so I'm just going to highlight a few of these now uh, in prayer, uh, apply them to, to our church and our community. And, uh, and after that, we will have uh, Ralph uh, preach a sermon. So please join me in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are omnipresent. You are in all places at all times. And so uh, we know you're here with us. I know you're here with us in this building. And I know you're with every person who is seeing this or hearing this. And Lord, the spirit that is inside each of your children unites us in a way uh, that is a mystery. Um, but that is such a comfort in this time when we cannot meet together uh, physically. Lord, um, we want to come to you now as a church and pray for those who are sick and infected with this um, coronavirus. Lord, uh, we pray that you would help and heal them. Lord, we pray that you would uh, empower um, bodies and spirits, Lord, and that you would help uh, to, to contain the spread of this infection, Lord, that, uh, that many lives would be spared. Father, we pray especially for those who are vulnerable. Lord, we pray for the elderly, for those suffering from chronic disease, from those with compromised immune systems. Lord, please protect them, Father, and give them comfort. Lord, we think of those who are poor, those who don't have the resources uh, to go without a job, those who, uh, who struggle for um, just to put food on the table. This is an especially hard time for them. So, Lord, we pray that you would um, provide for them, and, Lord, that you would uh, mobilize your church to give generously and take care of, of those around us. Lord, we pray for our, our local governments. Um, give them wisdom as they face this very uh, daunting challenge. Lord, we pray for our elected officials. Give them, um, give them the foresight, Lord, to, to allocate the necessary resources to combat this and... Um, we just pray as a society that this would bring us together and not tear us further apart. And Lord, uh, we pray for those in this time who are struggling with feeling isolated, anxious, and helpless. Um, there's many of us, Lord, who are not used to, to spending this much time alone, uh, and, and this, this, this um, becomes a temptation to, to anxiety. 
Lord, we pray that your word would comfort them. We pray that uh, you would um, help them to reach out with a phone call, a text message, um, and that you would provide everything they need. Lord, we pray for those being affected economically, those who have lost their jobs. Lord, um, what a stressful thing to go through. Would you please um, keep them from panic, help them, Lord, to trust you. And Father, uh, when we go through things like this, it, um, it reveals often that we've been leaning on things um, that we didn't realize. And uh, this, is a, this is a stressful time. It's a purifying time, Lord, uh, a time when we can um, return to you in a deeper way. And Lord, I just pray for all of us that this would be the effect of, of going through this together, that you would draw us closer to yourself. Lord, we pray for the frontline healthcare workers, of which we have some in our congregation. Lord, we're thankful for all these brave men and women who uh, are putting themselves in danger um, to help uh, those who need it. And uh, we see an echo of your self-sacrificing love in that. And Lord, we just pray um, that you would help us to remember how sovereign you are. As uh, Pastor Ray has reminded us in his emails, uh, reminding us of, of your sovereignty, your goodness. And Lord, um, we trust you that you can bring good out of this, even as hard as it is. We pray for our church, Lord, that you would strengthen us and keep us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Ralph, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So we're going to go to the sermon now. Have a blessed week. So thanks a lot, uh, Phil. Uh, I think it's fair to say that in the past two weeks, most of us have experienced something that we've probably never experienced before in our lives. It's likely something none of us expected in our lifetime as well. Uh, this is something that happened in the past, a long time ago. This is something that happened in the times uh, when there were plagues, when we didn't have modern medicine. Uh, plagues used to sweep through countries and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. And in some cases, millions of people lost their lives in these plagues as they had no means to uh, combat the plagues. But this is not something that's supposed to happen in our modern time. Uh, COVID-19 has struck fear into the global population as a virus has been spreading from country to country and uh, province to province, city to city, uh, home to home. And so we're stuck here and saying, wow, what do we do? Everything we are now doing in Quebec and Canada is to prevent a health crisis like we've not experienced. We don't know exactly what to do. We follow orders as best we can. Uh, some people are very afraid, some are not. If the virus doesn't scare you, perhaps loss of employment might. Uh, young people, uh, and some even some of the older, but a lot of the young people never lived to see the recession in the 1980s. I remember when I was in Vancouver and there was over 20% unemployment in that part of the country. You might experience that now, we don't know. Part of the challenge today and the thing that worries us is we don't know. There are quite a number in our congregation that have already uh, lost their jobs. Some are temporary layoffs. Hopefully most of them are only temporary layoffs and some are permanent. We don't know what the future holds. When friends and uh, family members come by, uh, drop by the home, they stand at the door and they maintain a distance. Something that's a bit unusual. In fact, if we approach the door, most people then take a step back. We stand and chat with several meters between us. We exchange practical things like toilet paper and disinfectant wipes. 
Four weeks ago, exchanges like this would have been meaningless. Today, it's a tale of love in the time of coronavirus that we can share these kind of practical things. Like billions of families over thousands of years, we exchange things our kids really don't need. Why? Because we can. Because we care. We're family. These gifts don't just have great sentimental value. I mean, toilet paper and disinfectant wipes, they're not particularly affectionate gifts. But right now, in our pre-plague economy, they've become rare and precious. So this is it then, is it? This is where we're caught. Well, we can thank God that it's better than that. We have the internet. Imagine if this crisis had hit 20 years ago. No internet, no mobile phones, no texting, no online banking, no Amazon deliveries. Imagine being banished to your home for any period of time and not being able to text or email your friends, not being able to binge on movies and shows. If we'd been locked down 20 years ago, we would have rushed out into the streets screaming after just a few days. But it's still hard. The disease is spreading. We are losing jobs. We don't know what the future holds. At least some of us can work remotely, but it is still hard. It's frustrating. We get cabin fever. The children are, are not in their normal places at school and daycare and everywhere else. We're, we're trying to work from home, those that work remotely, and it's just a big challenge. So how are we to respond in a time like this? What does God encourage us uh, to, to do in this situation? So I thought it'd be good to look back and see from the past and learn from others that had lived through crises of their own. In fact, one of the, the people I thought of right away in the, in the scriptures was David. And David had to learn to live long periods of isolation in fear for his life. What kind of a lifeline did he have? What does he have to say and what does God have to say through him for our situation? So for that, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 46, and let me just read Psalm 46 for you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So what's that con the context behind Psalm 46? Well, the context is one of facing desperate situations beyond our control. This ancient psalm, like so many other uh, psalms, is a response to a desperate situation. In verses 2 and 3, the author speaks of troubles that are beyond our influence 
and beyond our control. Earthquakes and tidal waves are things that no one controls. The psalmist is talking about situations where we are victims. I don't like losing control. I don't like panic. We set up our lives very carefully to avoid getting caught in situations where we lose that control, where we will be in panic, where perhaps we'll be dependent on someone else for our well-being. We, we try to avoid this. Diseases can be like that. Economic forces can wipe out the most careful investor. Accidents happen in the blink of an eye. In verse 6, the author brings up wars. Nations rise and fall. How can an ordinary person stand in the face of an army that is rushing down upon her or him? Again, in verse 8, the author speaks of desolations and wars. All of these situations refer to troubles beyond our influence and beyond our control. Today, we're in a situation where circumstances are now, are now beyond our influence and control. There is a deadly virus that has spread around the world. We cannot stop it ourselves, but we're slowing it down as we work at it together. We can create vaccines, but not in time to stop it in the current flu season. And so governments have stepped in with the most severe economic shutdown that anyone has seen in our part of the world for a very long time. One million people out of work in the past two weeks. They expect three million new unemployed within a couple more weeks. If the virus doesn't scare you, then the economic tsunami may well scare you. Whether you are the employer or the employee, you may well be worried. Circumstances are beyond our control. I'm a business owner. My employees are watching each move I make. They're listening to the words I say. They listen to the inflection in my voice. They're worried. They're looking for assurance. They want a clear plan. They want to know that I'm in control. And I can give them a lot of that. We were ready for the, the unexpected in our business. Our cash position was strong. But I do not control viruses. I do not control governments. And I do not control my customers. Will my customers keep buying services in one month or three months or six months? Almost overnight, a lot of them stopped responding to calls. So then how do we react when things are beyond our influence and control? So the first thing that I'd like to bring to your attention is we need to look to God. Look to God. When I was young, I grew up in an agricultural area in Western Canada. As you would look at some fields, you would see long, straight rows, long, straight lines of grain, perfectly straight lines, evenly spaced. Then you would drive past another farm and you would see the lines that kind of moved all over the place across the field. They would wander left, they'd wander right. At places they had seeded twice and then there'd be gaps where there was no seed. We must, so yeah, you get, you get these kinds of things. Then you get um, another example. I, I like to bicycle a lot and I sometimes ride bicycle in groups. Not these days, but when I get to, I love to ride bicycle in groups. And you get some people that are always sort of wandering like that, which doesn't work really well in that situation. So why does that one farmer wander like that? Why does the other cyclist wander like that? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. It's the same principle in both cases. The farmer had the very straight line, has chosen a point far in the distance, and he's focused in on that point, and he goes straight. The cyclist who cycles well in a group is a cyclist who has chosen a point far in the distance. 
and fixed to fix look right there. I've ridden with cyclists. In fact, if you watch children when they cycle, they tend to watch the road right in front of them. They're not looking into the distance. They're not checking out their environment. And they have a tendency to wander just like that. And if they see a puddle right there, we know they're going to go into the puddle. But they don't have that long-term focus, what they're looking at. Same as a farmer that's made those straight lines. So you don't even need, you don't actually need a calmer hand. You don't actually need to any special tools. You don't actually need to be any smarter or stronger or faster to go in a straight line. You just lift your head and look and everything straightens out. The psalmist had learned to lift his head and look to God. God is the immovable focus that brings everything into line for him when his world is out of control. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What do we need when things are beyond our control, when we worry or when we fear? Well, we need a refuge, a place that is safe and secure, a place where bad things won't happen to us. God is our refuge. And then second, we need someone who is strong, someone who is strong to rescue us. When we find ourselves in situations beyond our influence and control, we need help. We need someone who is stronger than us that can do something we cannot do. And then thirdly, we need someone who is present. Have you ever had someone say to you, if you ever get in trouble, give me a call. And then one day you were in trouble and you gave a call and they didn't answer. Well, that's not God. God is a very present help in trouble. He is always on. He is safe and secure. He is strong enough and he's always available. That's the kind of focus we need to have to fix our eyes on that kind of a God in the future. Look to God. The second thing is God's timing is always perfect. So we can look at verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. People that lived in walled cities were confident of two things. They put their confidence in the wall. The wall around them was there to protect them. But more important, they put their confidence in the leader that was with them inside that wall. If they trusted the leader, the enemy outside the wall, outside of the city, didn't matter. Okay, the psalmist knows that, the, that God dwells with his people in his city. He lives in the city. If God is in the city, then the city will not be moved. The city will not fall. But there is that little phrase at the end of verse 5 that was put there very deliberately, I'm sure. God will help her when morning dawns. Why does he wait till morning dawns? You may have heard the saying that it's darkest just before dawn. Many an army has launched its attack just before dawn when the opposition's reserves were spent and they were at their end. Sometimes God may let us go to the end of our resources before saving us. Cindy and I, when we were young, we lived some moments as a young married couple, and we were down to our last $5. We were preparing for ministry and following God's leading. 
I'd mentioned that recession that has hit Western Canada. Unemployment was over 20% in Vancouver that year. Cindy was out there trying to work three, four jobs while I was trying to work on my, my master's degree. Businessmen with MBAs were standing in line for jobs to serve meals in family restaurants. God stepped in just in time, multiple times for Cindy and myself. God had never left the city. He just wanted us to trust. Just like the disciples in the small boat in the storm, they were fearing for their lives while Jesus was sleeping. When he awoke, he calmed the storm with a word. Just in time. They didn't need to worry if God was in the city. They didn't need to worry if Jesus was in the boat. The third thing that can help us in this situation is to see events through God's eyes. In verses 8 and 9, we may be surprised. And surprised, the, the circumstances that were surrounding us and threatened to destroy us, we find out we're all in God's control. God works through desolations on the earth. God works through wars. God works through all situations to achieve his purposes. We need to look at circumstances through God's eyes. We may have thought that the enemy was in control, but we were wrong. God was in control. That's why we don't need to fear in any situation. The coronavirus is beyond our influence and control, at least individually. The circumstances that we find ourselves in are beyond most of our influence and control, but none of it is beyond God's influence and control. And so as we move toward conclusion here, look at verse 10. This is a verse we're super familiar with. It's a favorite verse for a lot of people. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. We often interpret this verse to, to be like a call to a quiet meditation, like a whisper. But that isn't the primary meaning in the context. Uh, remember the context here. We're talking about earthquakes and tsunamis and wars and desolation and attacks on a city. The translation comes across much more like give in, desist, stop it, or for those that are contentious, shut up. What's he saying? God's saying stop panicking, stop running, quit striving, let God's strength take over. The best translation I like is this, yield because God is in control. Give it to him because he's in control. That's the be still that he's looking for, for us to give it to him, yield because God is in control. Friends, we are in unusual times. God is not surprised by these events. God has not lost control. His purposes are not being thwarted. To review the Psalm, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. God is present with us and will protect us even if the timing seems all wrong because his timing is perfect. God is in control and will work through desolations and wars and famines, and also through viruses and recessions. And the final verse ends with three assurances, three words, power, presence, and promise. You might not see the words there, but it concludes, the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts, God almighty, powerful. That is the power of God. 
is with us, and that is his presence. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. And when the scriptures call and start talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's a reminder of the promises that God has given to his people. God is there for us in these times with his power and his presence and his promises. May God bless you in this time. And let's just conclude with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm that's been communicated to us. And we thank you, Lord, for what it says to us about you. And Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. And Lord, that our lives would be in that straight line as we follow you, Lord, not moving to the left or right and buffeted by the circumstances, but rather, Lord, that we would have that calm assurance. And Lord, that, that we ourselves would give in. And Lord, we would yield to you because you are in control. And Lord, as we do that, we will find that stillness and that peace that we're looking for. Bless everyone in our church, our friends that have joined us for this virtual service today. We commit all this to you in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.